colder night tonight. Breezy and cool, but sunny returns tomorrow. Clearing skies after late afternoon and early evening rain. Falling through the 50s and early morning tomorrow. It's cold as lower to upper 40s. Still breezy. Sunny sky throughout the day tomorrow. Breezy and cool throughout the day. The high of only low 60s. Sunshine Friday, the colder morning, 30s and 40s. Followed by sunny in the afternoon high of lower to mid 60s. Saturday, Sunday, sunny skies. Highs each day of the 60s. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. A My Social Security account allows you to access your earnings history and benefits information, request a replacement Social Security card, get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Here is the sound of the food show, the Tom Fitzmaurice food show. That is our resident uh, large, loud animal, also known as Steel. And uh, he recognizes the music when it's going on and, and comes over. It's the Tom Fitzmaurice food show, but I'm not Tom Fitzmaurice. Neither is the dog. Tom Fitzmaurice is only one Tom Fitzmaurice, and he is not in his chair right now. We'll probably hear from him. We've been hearing from him a little bit more lately. But it is the Tom Fitzmaurice Food Show. And I am Marianne Fitzmaurice. And I would love to talk food with you. Because that's what Tom's been doing for 33 years. Almost. I mean, almost 33 years. Tomorrow, it is the beginning of April, which blows my mind. It is 11 months since we started doing this show. And in July, it will be 33 years that the food show has been on the air. Wow, how time flies. It is also Wednesday, and that means that at 3 o'clock, Stan Meadows is going to call in for the first time in months. He has been our roving reporter. It's uh, Stan from Trinas. He's a good friend. And uh, just COVID made him decide, you know what? I've been thinking of traveling the country in a motorhome. Now's a good time. And he left within a week or two with his hound dog LW. And when he told me that, I said, you have got to call into the food show and give us a report from the wide open heartlands of America, which he has done faithfully every Wednesday, unless he can't get a signal because he is out in the boonies sometimes. And then he stopped in January when uh, Las Vegas sort of shut down and he had run its, he felt like the segment has had run its course in Las Vegas and he was going to be there for the winter. So he said, we'll start up again on my way, quote, home. I don't know how long it's going to take him to get back here or if he is ever going to get back here for real. But um, apparently this is a very addictive lifestyle. So we will hear from him, though, today at 3 o'clock. I look forward to that. We've missed him, and I'm just dying to hear where he's been and what he's been up to for the last couple of months. 5569696 is the number. If you want to talk to me, I'm here all by my lonesome with the, ta- the dog who has settled down. So uh, it's just us here looking to talk to you about Louisiana citrus right off the bat. 
Today is Oranges and Lemons Day, according to Tom. He's already had three big Louisiana Naval oranges this morning for their matchless juice. That's not quite true. The truth of the matter is that a few years ago, so when Tom and I got married, he was squeezing his own orange juice. And by that, I don't mean the one pull down, you know, it's gone. I mean, he would slice the oranges horizontally, and then he had this juicer that went round and round, and he had to sort of manipulate the half of the orange juice to get it into his juicer. And I thought this was the most unbelievably time-consuming venture for anyone but of course he was Tom Fitzmorris and this is the sort of thing he did. So I, looking to be the good wife, offered to do that for him because he was so busy and that lasted about four days because I realized that's crazy and you can go back to doing your own juice yourself, which is what he did for many, many years, going through numerous juicers because they were plastic and didn't hold up forever. And then for one birthday, I got him one of those big, you know, it's so heavy, you can barely lift it, and you pull the handle down. And that was just not something he wanted to do. So it sits in the kitchen with the other gadgets that I always rail against, and we don't ever use it. So a few years ago, he finally saw the light and decided that he didn't want to do the juice. The last time the juicer broke is what happened. It was hard to find another one, and he just said, ah, okay, I've done it for 50 years. I'm just going to go ahead and buy it. So we've been buying. Actually, what happened that spurred it was that Vince Riccobono at Matina Bella, Tom's favorite breakfast place in the whole wide world, uh, gave him a gallon of orange juice. And I don't remember the kind, but he thought, you know what, this is really actually good. And I don't know why I'm going to go ahead and bother to keep squeezing it. So that was the end of the orange juice. It went as unceremoniously as it started. And since then, he has had me purchase for him the Tropicana Homestyle Light Pulp. Somebody was talking about no pulp yesterday. Light pulp is what we get. Anyway, he is enamored of the Louisiana version of oranges and also Valencia oranges, but today he named it Oranges and Lemons Day. Citrus fruits offer much more than just a drink. Lemon juice is one of the most useful ingredients in the kitchen. Not only does it have a marvelous fresh flavor, but it's high acidity. It's one of the most acidic foods we eat, performs all sorts of magic in sauces as meat marinades and in keeping things fresh. Orange juice is less versatile, but much underrated as an ingredient. You know, I dropped off the book, The Meals That Heals, to someone today. The one that we had Carolyn Williams, the nutritionist, PhD, on about a year and a half ago. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. And as I told her when I dropped it off, if this doesn't motivate you to get right with food, then it's hopeless because it's a beautiful book. It's an exciting book. It's full of color and enticing pictures to make you want 
to do the right thing. And so there's been, though, since the inflammation thing came out, there's been a an alkaline versus acidity rivalry in nutrition. And there are people who swear by the alkaline diet, the Kangen water, the alkaline water, and that it actually has miraculous properties. I don't know if that's true, but I know that I would have a very difficult time adopting an alkaline diet for the simple reason that I probably go through two or three lemons a day, if that's one of the most acidic foods. I can't imagine living without it. As a matter of fact, that kind of reminds me of something that I wanted to pose to you because of what happened to me right before the show. I went to go get a tea bag to make myself some iced tea and uh, it would have probably half a lemon in it while I nursed it through the show and then I realized that I have no more Lipton tea bags. I have a lot of tea left, but it's the fancy kind where you have to, you know, it's loose tea and you have to find the little thing to put it in the water and it's just kind of a pain. But the Lipton works really well for me as it has for 40 years and I just dropped the tea bag in and I just was aghast that I had allowed myself to run out of Lipton tea bags. Do you ever have anything that you are so dependent on for your daily living? Like maybe this would be coffee or something. And then for some bizarre reason, you manage somehow to lapse and don't have any in the house. And you're just amazed that you were, that you allowed that to happen because this is such an essential part of your day. Anyway, I'm drinking actual water, which is probably better for me, but I did run out of tea. Five five six nine six nine six. This is the kind of inane chatter that you can expect every day from the food show, two to four. But it's harmless, and it's an escape from everything else out there. So please tell a friend about the show because they probably like it too. Five five six nine six nine six. We'll be back. Keith Young Steakhouse on the North Shore in Madisonville is everything anyone thinks of when a steakhouse comes to mind. The environment is elegant and handsome. The service staff is knowledgeable, attentive, and friendly. And most important, the steaks are superb. The steakhouse sides are also great. Keith Young Steakhouse, 165 Highway 21, Madisonville, 985-845-9940. I get misty just holding your hand. I want to mention that Antoine's is a place that you should go if you are looking to have a wonderful party for your guests and have everyone feel comfortable about their various COVID situations. The number of rooms at Antoine's that allow for special parties and can accommodate any size group in fitting with the protocols out there is kind of staggering actually. If you need a party place, that's your place. In addition to its practicality, COVID practicality, I mean, it's delicious. It's the original Grand Dame. It's the original Creole classic restaurant. 181 years running, Antoine's is serving all of the dishes that you have come to know as representative of the local culinary culture. 
They have their baked Alaska, which is their signature dish, but they have the one that everyone talks about, trout meniere, trout amandine. It's a, a pretty large menu, actually. It was no longer in French, but there's all kinds of things. The original oysters Rockefeller, there's oysters Fauche. They have the crab meat maison and the shrimp remoulade. Antoine's is a place, if you have not experienced it and you live here, you must. You can do it really, really inexpensively. They have a three-course menu every day at lunch. It is $21 for 16 extra dollars. You can get wine pairings. And the Hermes Bar has happy hour every day. You can experience some of their delicious food there as well for a much reduced price of $5 bar bites, $6 for drinks. Or you could do it the regular way. You just make a reservation and sit in the dining room, which is unique in itself. It's really cavernous. It reminds me of sort of a European food hall. There'll be tons of people that will walk by that you will know because it's kind of the locals place. As Tom says, in all the world, there's only one Antoine's. They're located at 713 St. Louis. That phone number is 581-4422. Today in 1889, the Eiffel Tower was dedicated. Alexandre Gustave Eiffel let the French flag fly from the tower's summit in the ceremony. It opened to the public about a month later as the entrance to a World's Fair. The tower had a restaurant at the lower platform level until the 1980s, when it was disassembled, packed into containers, and shipped to New Orleans. A new structure was built for it at the corner of Josephine and St. Charles Avenue, where restaurant De La Tour Eiffel opened in 1985. It did not do well and closed after just three years. It's been several other restaurants since, including the current occupant, the Eiffel Society. Tom loves to talk about a particular dinner he had there. It was just him and a bunch of models. And if he was here, he would uh, probably remember that story. 5569696, that's actually some, I have a, a, a memory, a recollection myself of a particular event that happened for me there, which was where I discovered arugula in a salad at a dinner of arugula feta, or was it blue cheese? I think it was blue cheese. Walnuts and a balsamic vinaigrette. Like I said, I led a sheltered life and that was probably only 20 years ago, 25 years ago, where I, I had the arugula for the first time at the uh, La Tour Eiffel on St. Charles Avenue. As for the real one, I'm still kicking myself, especially if I can't travel anymore. I'm still kicking myself for not, not going to Jules Verne in the Eiffel Tower when I was in Paris. I didn't want to spend the money because it was hyper expensive. I didn't even know if I could get a reservation. That might have been the real reason. But um, we didn't go. It was the two kids and I. and. Uh, we were also sort of sleepwalking. We had been to the Olympics for the week before, and it was our our last stop before coming back over here. And um, we were kind of out of it, but I still wish I had done it. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. I investigated a tip from my friend Eric today. 
I was on the West Bank on business, and I stopped into um, Rizzuto's Pizzeria. This is the weirdest building. It started out, I don't even know what it was. It might have actually been like a container place. But um, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago, it became O'Brien's Grill. It was a little tiny steakhouse on the West Bank that the guy who opened it, I think it was a first time restaurateur. He opened it sort of on a whim. He was wildly successful with it because first of all, it was really good. It was cozy and charming. And it was one of the few places, if any, really, I think the beef connection might've been, you know, flickering out at that point. I'm trying to think of any place else where you could have gotten a steak over there. So he did really well with O'Brien's Grill. And then he, for his own personal reasons, up and closed it. They were not in any kind of trouble or anything. He just decided he was done. And he didn't sell it, so it didn't continue as O'Brien's Grill, which seems sort of a shame. And it closed down, and then it was vacant for a little while, and it became... Uh, Southern Charm Bistro, I mean, I, that sounds about right. That was very short-lived. And I was surprised when I followed the address that it was now, uh, that is the Rizzuto's Pizzeria is now in that building. For those people who are wondering what I'm talking, what I'm talking about, I'm sure if you live on the West Bank, you know where O'Brien's Grill was, but it is on Bell Chase Highway, Amidst all of that, the storage units, there's a bunch of storage units there. And then there's this one little building and it's this little restaurant. Anyway, they didn't do very much to the building except to put red checkered tablecloths on the tables and a piece of plastic over that. And I think that's really kind of all they did. It's a nice little building, so you didn't really, you know, nobody really had to do anything. It's a bar when you walk in, a very small bar, and then to the right is a fair, actually a fair amount of seating for a space that size, very linear. But uh, Rizzuto, Jack Rizzuto and his brother, who owned Amici on magazine in a space that became Warbucks and then is now Chotai. I think that's how you say it. It is uh, right across from the Walgreens and by the Rum House in that neck of the woods. And um, Amici was sold when they moved to the Tony Angelo space and put Rizzuto's in. And Rizzuto's has been doing really well for the last couple of years, and I guess he just saw an opportunity to move to the West Bank and open a second location. It's called Rizzuto's Pizzeria, but it's really more than that, I think. They have not a huge menu. Um, it's a somewhat confusing pizza menu, but um, they have appetizers, maybe eight or nine of those, and... Um, three salads, they have some sandwiches, and then 
a pizza section where they have specialty pizzas and then you can build your own pizza. I found it a little expensive, I gotta say. It was $38 for a large, which was not very large, but large enough. I mean, it, it does classify as large or qualify as large. Um, it was a, I am a pepperoni pizza eater, especially if it's a New York pizza. You know, I'm always comparing everything to a raised pepperoni slice. Uh, as Eric said, you do not get the option of a slice here. It's all whole pies. So um, I've taken to ordering. His Tom is a cheese pizza person. He's margarita, but cheese will do. And that's pretty much it. And so for a long time, if I said, well, let's get a pepperoni and put the pepperoni on one side, he would say, well, that leaves a trail of grease and blah, blah, blah. And so I started ordering a pepperoni pizza and then asking them to put all the pepperonis on one side. And this worked for a while, but lately I find people saying, so you want a half cheese, half pepperoni. And in fact, that's not what I want. What I want is a whole pepperoni pizza, meaning all the pepperonis that you would put on the pizza, but on one half of it, thereby doubling the amount of pepperoni that I would get for the pepperoni pizza. But for some reason, that whole system has broken down. So today when I made that same order, she came back and said, so really what you want is like a half cheese and half pepperoni. And I just said, yeah. And so when I, when I got the pizza, it had about four pepperonis on it. <laughs> These are large pepperonis. This is not the little pepperoni. This is like large, you know, salami-ish kind of pepperoni. But still, that was not a lot of pepperoni. And I would dispute my friend Eric's uh, assertion that it is a, a crust that is stiff enough to hold up. It, it just seemed like a really ordinary pizza to me, just really ordinary. On the other hand, we did get some spin dip, which was spinach, artichoke, and shrimp with some crostini. And that was actually a really tasty uh, spin dip. It came with crostini, though, that were sort of stale, which surprised me. Um, they would have been fine revived in um, an oven, but they came to the, with the order as a little bit on the stale side. Um, crunchy, but beneath the surface, bendable, if that makes any sense. And the third thing we got was an Italian salad, a small one which which had um, not really olive salad in it and not really gardeniere vegetables so much so, but um, like cubes of or quarter slices of pepperoni, some feta, and a pretty basic oily Italian dressing. It was not bad. You know, it had the requisite... Um, purple onion in it. And it, I wouldn't say it was bad. It was just, you know, what qualifies as fine. You know, it was fine. The only thing better than fine about it was the spin dip, which was spinach, artichoke, and shrimp. And those three things, a somewhat smallish portion of spin dip, a small enough to fit into a small takeout container size Italian salad, 
and a reasonable large pizza, um, which was pepperoni, but mostly cheese. Those three items came to $38, no drinks, no tea, no nothing, just that. And that seemed a little bit on the high side to me, but maybe I'm just losing my perspective on what is appropriate charging for things in restaurants. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. If you have anything to say about Rizzuto's Pizzeria, uh, I would like to hear it or anything else if you have any of your own reporting to do. It's Easter week. Anybody made any great plans for Easter? We got a text from a friend of ours saying that um, he was going to be in town and do we want to meet on Easter Sunday for a drink? And my thought was, well, it's Easter. And then I thought, yeah, and Easter's just another day now because there's no kids to do Easter egg hunts with and there's no parties or anything and it's just another day which made me profoundly sad to say yes because of those reasons but i mean i guess it'll be nice to see our friend which of course it will but i just feel like a holiday doesn't really feel like a holiday much anymore so if you are having plans for easter uh give me a call i would love to hear what they are and i would love to hear what great things you have found out there uh to do for easter um, we will be having a drink with our friend, and that's probably it. Five five six nine six nine six. I miss my little grandbabies, but haven't seen them in a very long time, and don't know when I'll see them again. Let's see, what else do we have? To, oh, we have a dinner we're going to tonight. We have another dinner tomorrow night. It's pretty busy this week. Five five six nine six nine six. Louisiana Radio Network News Time two thirty. Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Jeff Palermo. For the first time in over a year, many businesses are able to fully open today without capacity restrictions, but the social distancing requirement and the mask mandate remain in place. Bars are allowed to serve alcohol past 11 p.m., but Governor John Bell Edwards says patrons must be seated and served at tables. And that's one of the ways that we can lift restrictions but be relatively confident that we're not going to be unnecessarily and unreasonably uh, contributing to the, to the spread. Louisiana Association of Business and Industry President Stephen Wagaspak is hoping Louisiana residents take advantage of this new freedom. You know, I hope people go out, frequent your local small businesses, frequent your local restaurants. They have been there all throughout the year doing whatever it takes to keep those doors open. In New Orleans, the Phase 3 order remains in place. That means 75% capacity limits on most businesses. Mayor LaToya Cantrell says she will thoroughly assess what the governor announced and she'll make decisions accordingly. LRN. I'm Jim Harper, president of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Agriculture is big business in our state. $11 billion a year for Louisiana's economy. When other businesses had to shut their doors, our essential Louisiana farmers and ranchers continue to provide each of us with the food and fiber we need to survive. That's why I'm a proud member of the Louisiana Farm Bureau family. Visit LAFarmBureau.org, the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. All across Louisiana. More and more residents are able to get the FDA-authorized two-dose vaccine for COVID-19. It tested nearly 
95% effective in clinical trials. With more than 70,000 patients. So if you're ready to attend sporting events again, greet everyone with hugs and handshakes again, and just get life back to normal again. Join the rest of Louisiana and go sleeves up to help end the pandemic. Get the facts at covidvaccine.la.gov or call 211. WGSO 990 AM has recently become recognized as an official 501c3 nonprofit organization capable of accepting tax-deductible donations. So, in commemoration of our 75th anniversary, the station is launching a 75 for 75 campaign with the goal of raising $75,000 in 2021. The funds that are raised will be dedicated to help the station fulfill our broadcast mission and satisfy any equipment needs that arise. These donations are especially important because unlike most radio stations in New Orleans, WGSO is independent, locally owned and operated and not part of a national broadcasting conglomerate. To donate, go to WGSO.com and click on the Donate button on the front page. Help us to continue to be the community voice of the Crescent City. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, madame, with you. True, true, true. Five, five, six, nine, six, nine, six is the number. I do not feel much like dancing anyway. On this day in 1989, the Food and Drug Administration allowed sushi, sushi. Oh, that's going to be tough to say. Sushi, sushi. Sushi chefs, try that a few times, sushi chefs in New York City to import fugu for the first time. Fugu is the puffer fish whose salient culinary characteristic is that its liver and some other organs are so deadly that eating them can paralyze or kill you. The rest of it is alleged to be the best sashimi there is. Tom said he has tried this, but he can tell you that it's not true. The ultimate fugu experience is supposed to be eating parts of the fish close to the liver, feeling the anesthesia begin to set in and feel it to leave your, feel it leave your body. No, I guess I'm just not adventuresome enough. <laughs> Come on. Can you imagine? I know that that was a big deal about, I guess, 20 years ago. People were, that was sort of like in the news and people were talking about that. But as usual, we've moved on to something else. The deaf dining rule number 167 today is the practice of wrapping lemon halves in yellow gauze to keep the seeds in when you squeeze the lemon over your fish is one of those disappearing niceties of fancy restaurants that really made sense. But if so facto, it is not a sign of excellence. You know, I disagree with that. I do always give a restaurant points for being fancier because they have the yellow wrapped lemon. But I did not know, I know that's kind of embarrassing to admit on the air, but I did not know it was to keep the uh, seeds in. I, I mean, that seems rather obvious if you think about it, but I just never thought about it before. I just always assumed that it was a fancy way of having a lemon around. Like at the Windsor Court, 
they have a really fancy tea service. They have the simple syrup. They have the lemon in the yellow gauze. What else? There seemed to be a third thing on there. Because the only thing I paid attention to really was the lemon in the yellow gauze. And my only problem with that is that it's not enough lemon. I usually get more lemon than that over the course of a lunch with tea. But um, I always do associate that look of rest of lemons being served that way as, oh, I'm in a really fancy restaurant. And I think most people probably think that too. But I wouldn't, I don't know, I'm trying to think. I wouldn't say it's disappearing because I do see it. And I, I don't spend as much time in fancy restaurants as I used to. Um, but I would say that the restaurants that were doing it have not stopped doing it. Is that something for you people who go to more gourmet restaurants than we are right now? Uh, do you see that more than, I mean, less than you used to? Because to me, it seems like I'm still seeing it in certain places every month, every bit to the extent that I used to. We're going to a fancy restaurant tomorrow and uh, I would expect to see it there. So I'm going to pay attention to that. Five, five, six, nine, six, nine, six. The words to eat by today are from Robert Louis Stevenson. And every day when I've been good, I get an orange after food. I don't know what it is about oranges. I like them well enough, but it's not something I ever seek out. I never drink orange juice, and I never really eat oranges. If I got it as part of a fancy service, and I'm thinking now as I'm talking, I'm going through my brain about who's got fancy tea service. My favorite restaurant in the whole wide world, Bottega-Louis in Los Angeles, serves simple syrup, not the orange uh, or the yellow cheesecloth. It serves a slice of orange and a slice of lemon with tea and the simple syrup. So when I see tea that's served with oranges, as well, I'll use the orange then, just because I don't waste things, but I don't ever look for oranges. I'm more likely to have grapefruit juice for breakfast. As a matter of fact, I do have grapefruit juice for breakfast if I'm doing that. The words to drink by today, Andrew Lang, a Scottish writer born in 1844, those words are, he uses statistics as a drunken man uses lampposts for support rather than for illumination. <laughs> I gotta say, that's pretty amusing. The old kitchen sage says, if you jab a wedge of lemon and wipe its juice all over whatever poultry or fish you're cooking, your chances of improving the dish are nearly 100%. When Tom was smoking the turkey for Thanksgiving, it was stuffed with oranges and lemons, as well as celery and onion. 
and I'm trying to think of anything else. That was probably it, but it was really stuffed. The whole cavity was stuffed with those things. And now that I am roasting chickens, I don't stuff it with any kind of citrus and I don't rub it on the poultry, but I sometimes will throw something like that in there. And I don't really notice a huge difference, but it's never something that I say, gee, I wish I hadn't done that. I, I do think that that's a true statement, that your chances of improving the dish are nearly 100% if you do that. Totally agree with that. 5569696 today, if you would like to have your call sponsored, I would love for you to call. We have Cava Bistro. I want to make sure that it is spelled correctly for people. Cava is a Spanish wine. C-A-V-A is the name of it. And uh, they would love to sponsor your call. So if you call about, if you have not called or you've not had your call sponsored and you have something of even moderate interest, I need you to call so that Cava Bistro can sponsor your call. At 3 o'clock we have Stan Meadows coming up to talk about his latest escapades on the highways and byways of the United States. And uh, I hope he has been to my, I hope, I had a list for Stan, and I hope he has hit even a couple of the places that I asked him to give me a report about. These are some of my old haunts from many years ago when I actually lived at the Grand Canyon for a year and a half. And, um, if you think I was just there camping out, I was working for um, the, uh, it was not called Fred Harvey, it was Grand Canyon National Park Lodges, which had taken over the company that Fred Harvey started, which was called Fred Harvey. And it was a company that had a contract with all the national parks where they staffed the park. They staffed all the curio shops, all the restaurants, all the hotels, and I worked in the personnel office doing employee orientations for people who were uh, working at the park. And so I did that for a year and a half. We hiked the Grand Canyon every weekend, and the rest of the time we traveled around to cool places outside the canyon. It was the most interesting way to spend 18 months. The Edible Dictionary Word of the Day today is brought to you by Dorignax, one of the top 20 regional supermarkets of all time. Today's edible dictionary is chili powder. Chili powder is a finely ground or finely ground dried chili peppers, usually on the mild side, but sometimes noticeably hot. There is no standard for the flavor. Indeed, the ingredients other than chili, other ingredients besides chili figure into some chili powder blends, although those make those made with pure capsicum anum peppers are the most common. In some chili powders, the methods of drying the peppers give a dark brown color and a smoky flavor. Some use a good deal of cayenne pepper in the mix. Those can be very hot indeed. Chili powder is almost identical to paprika or paprika, including the wine range of possible flavors, wide range of possible flavors. Taste chili powder before you use it. I talked about a book. You know, I've been trying to get you all to call. And my enticement for that was a stack of books that we took from Tom's office when we cleared it out. And one of those books 
was a book about chili peppers. And I thought that it was gone, but in fact, I discovered it recently, so I must have put it someplace. But it's called Hot Sauce Nation, and it is by a guy named Denver Nix. And I had him on the show when I was substituting for Tom, I don't know, three or four years ago. And it's, uh, it's Hot Sauce Nation, America's Burning Obsession. He actually lives here. He's from, I think, Colorado or something. And he... Um, began this intensive study of chili peppers, uh, capsicum anum, and there's another name for it, capsaicium. And it was a fascinating interview, and it is a, a really cool book. If you are into that sort of thing, uh, call me, and I will send it to you, because uh, it's in my stack of things to give away to callers who have not called in before. Five five six nine six nine. Six is the number if you want to talk about food. Hey, give me a call. I'm here to do that with you. Basil's Ace Hardware has been the center for your grilling needs for over 15 years. That's when I first got my big green egg, which I use more than ever lately. Fred also has Traeger grills and Weber grills and all the accessories for them. Charcoal and pellets and propane, as well as rubs and grilling utensils, Remember, a great cookout always begins with the right hardware. Basil's Ace Hardware, 4419 Transcontinental Metairie, 888-8588. Right down the highway from the excellent Keith Young Steakhouse is Five Girls. And the food is very good casual fare. Here is a fantastic club sandwich with homemade potato chips, a great Cuban, good salads, and the best red beans and rice we have ever had. Poor boys, hamburgers, and terrific fried seafood. Five Girls, 305 Highway 21 in Madisonville, 985-845-2348. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings, and lots of things are never what they seem. Yes, there's just not much you can say about that, but it's true, true, true. Today's flavor is omelets. Omelets. Tom says that the omelet is one of the few dishes that is completely comfortable at any meal, any time of the day. It has enough substance to be considered a real meal, but it's light enough that it can be eaten early or late. We think that Tom is not the only person whose lifetime of cooking began with omelets. When he was a single guy going out to eat every day and night, rarely eating at home. And he realized that only two chefs made omelets the way that he liked them. And both of them look, took them off their menus. So he had to do some cooking of omelets himself. He said at first his omelets were not as good as theirs, but he didn't know exactly how he wanted omelets to come out. And after a lot of experimenting, he finally got the touch. What came out was not only a good omelet, but a whole new way of having fun. He found that if he could conquer the omelet, maybe he could cook other dishes. This reminds me of that movie that I am just crazy about called A Hundred Foot Journey, where the woman who had the Michelin star restaurant uh, interviewed a chef and his only charge was to make her an omelet. And if it was perfect, he got the job and it had very specific criteria that he had to meet. 
Tom is a runny egg sort of person. I am, of course, the opposite. I like my, my eggs almost crunchy. So now that I'm making him breakfast every morning, he gets a, <laughs> he gets what would be called um, a scramble. And it is really scrambled, but it's not really scrambled all that much. I just don't spend a lot of time perfecting really too much of anything. But um, Jude is pretty good at making omelets. He is really, he's got his perfect this pan and his perfect that pan and his perfect utensil. And so when he makes omelets, they're actually pretty darn perfect, which I think is something that really anyone can do if they spend the time to do it. But this morning, Tom had some chopped ham, some leftover broccoli chopped, some mushrooms from um, Pat Gallagher's yesterday that I got my mushrooms on the side. I had a mushroom burger, but I asked him to put the mushrooms on the side, so I didn't, I wound up not eating them. There was an enormous amount of them. And I don't waste mushrooms or anything else for that matter. But anyway, I brought them home. And so I put them in a pan with the broccoli and then some ham. And then I melted some cheese over that. And then I did two sunny eggs and I put that on top of his pile. So it wasn't an omelet. It was a, it was a, it was a pile of breakfast items is what it was. But um, one of these days I may be motivated to actually try my skillet and omelet, although I, I wouldn't bet money on that. Okay, uh, I'll finish this in, in a minute. Let's go to Ron. Hi, Ron. Hey, good afternoon. It's all about the pork chops today. Uh-oh, what about pork chops? I got a recipe for you if you'd like one. Sure. I made them. It was one of the best. There. Did we did we lose him? Food store over there, kind of close to the French Quarter, and I got some little pork chops that were boneless, and they weren't too big. So all you do is you just kind of smack them down a little bit to tenderize them, uh, salt and pepper, and garlic powder on both sides, and then you lay up the three ingredient uh, dredge, the flour, egg wash, and then the breadcrumb. And my trick is I put a tiny bit of uh, hot sauce in the egg wash. So flour, egg wash, breadcrumb, uh, garlic, I'm sorry, um, olive oil, butter, about half and half mixture on medium heat, and put them one turn, I'd say about four or five minutes aside, and boy, they were good. You know, I like little pork chops. I don't think there's a single thing wrong with a thin pork chop. It used to be the pork chop that you would get. And then somewhere in the 80s, these massive wonks of pork with a bone in became the standard for a pork chop. But I don't see a single thing wrong with the old cheap pork chops that I used to eat as a kid. I think they're really rather tasty. Yeah, me too. The other thing you can do is you can get a pork butt, like a Boston butt or even a pork mm -hmm. picnic. And mm -hmm. uh, if you take that out of the refrigerator, you can really cut into it right away because it's still kind of firm. And I just cut my little pieces of pork. I call them pork medallions uh, right off of that. And then I use the same recipe. You know, I would never do a pork butt 
any other way than, well, actually I say that, but that's not really true because I just thought of another way while I was saying that. I think a pork butt is designed for long cooking, whether it's on the grill and it becomes pulled pork or if it's in the oven braised with garlic studded in it and it becomes just a really tender meat that you would serve with sweet potatoes and Brussels sprouts, or if it's something that you would put into a big pan with sauerkraut and just cook it forever. That's what I think of a, a butt, a Boston butt. I would never yeah, I like cut them. it. I would just sort of braise it forever, you know? My, really, my favorite way is absolutely on a smoker with some cherry wood and just let that thing go until that flat bone, you can pull it out. And that'll tell you mm -hmm. when it's ready. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good meat for long cooking, and it's, you know, hard to beat. It's hard to beat. There comes a point, though, I think, when pulled pork has become too soft. And then I find it almost kind of gross. But for the most part, if you catch it when it's really tender but not obliterated, I think it's, it's a really great thing to eat. I like it. I, I'm thinking I would like to do some sauerkraut with it, too. Just like braised in, yeah, a, in a, like a slow cooker, you know? Yeah, a lot of yeah, garlic. They make these thermometers that uh, are uh, Bluetooth to your phone now. And you could put oh my that in the, in the pork. <laughs> they do. So you have an app on your phone, and you have this little guy that just goes right in the oven, and it's just right inside the pork. And you can catch it early. So if you were going to do your pork at uh, two, at oh I don't know whatever, you know whatever temp you wanted, uh, one fifty, let's say internal temperature, you can actually have the little phone alarm go off at one forty-five. That way, when you pull it out and tent it, you should be right at your uh, one fifty mark. So you could pull it out a little early and do some sauerkraut. That'd be great. I think I would, I, if I did it, I would do, and I could do this with little pork chops too. Um, I think my mom used to do it with spare ribs, but it would work with any kind of pork. But she used to do garlic, some onion, sauerkraut, and pork, and just simmer it like you would do it in a crock pot or something. She never had a crock pot, but if you had a crock pot, that would be something to do. And I think it I'll, would be really good. I'll bet she had a pressure cooker. She did. You know, we, I don't think she ever used it as a pressure cooker, though. She had yeah. one, but I, I, I don't recall her ever using it that way. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll I was too you young go. and didn't Great notice show it. As always. All right, Thank take you care. For taking my call. Thanks. Bye. All right, back to the omelet for just another minute before the break. An omelet is what uh, Tom calls a matrix dish. The distinctive primary ingredients can enclose a wide variety of other ingredients. Indeed, you can put almost anything into an omelet. And the exception of another matrix, with the exception of another matrix like pasta or rice, uh, never put two matrixes in the same dish. Sweet stuff, salty stuff, meat, fish, dairy, or vegetables, strongly flavored food or mellow foods, it all seems to work in an omelet. 
Let's see. What's my favorite kind of omelet? It's a vegetable omelet for sure. Although the one at Matina Bella that's called the Country Boy has ham and sausage and it's like the meats. That's a good one too. Unfortunately, it's still Tom's observation that very few restaurants make a decent omelet. The only times he's satisfied are when he's at a brunch buffet and stand over the omelet chef and tell them exactly what to do. Those are usually pretty good, but I don't really like the the stuff that's already pre-mixed that goes into it. Just It seems kind of gross to me. The restaurant is best known for omelets, the Camellia Grill, the best example he knows how to do an omelet wrong. Okay, that might be too harsh, but... Um, the Camellia Grill does a it, distinctive because it breaks all the standard rules of making omelets. They whip the eggs into a light froth, and so the result is outrageously fluffy, but dry, browned, and decidedly non-classical. It is very popular anyway. The two chefs who made the good omelets that he mentioned above were Gerard Croger and Danielle Bonneau. Their omelets and all the other good ones of the life have one thing have two things have some things in common they were moist throughout uh but runny nowhere there was not a spot of brown on them they tasted distinctly buttery they were fluffy but still substantial the inner ingredients merged nicely into the matrix making an omelet like that is not the easiest thing in the world as it turns out here is what tom discovered all these chefs did to make these omelets they started with a rather large amount of eggs all whisked together the eggs were at room temperature right before cooking the butter in the pan was bubbling but not browning when the eggs went in the heat remained high and the cooking time was measurable in seconds the eggs were never touched once they were in the pan everything was done with wrist action with the pan, including the folding over process. I don't know if I've seen that. Obviously, this requires some practice. For example, that move experienced chefs have uh, whenever they flip around the contents of a pan just by jerking the handle. It doesn't come out naturally, although one chef likened it to a certain, uh, never mind, we won't. We won't go into that. Once you have the matrix aspect of the omelet down, you're home free. Figure out what might taste good to you inside an omelet or what you've been trying to get rid of in a savory way, and there you are. Tom's own favorite omelet is one made with the same ingredients that he'll have in great supply in the coming weeks. Fresh Creole tomatoes and fresh basil, plus a tangy cheese like feta or ricotta salada. We do have a lot of basil here. I'll have to make Tom a basil omelet, but then I would have to actually do the omelet. I might try it. I might try it this week. A real omelet done the real way, even using the pan that's so buttery that the omelet slides around in it and to flip it that way. Uh, and of course, there will be a hilarity will ensue because that's much too. Um, much too uh, tedious for me. I don't usually bother with stuff like that. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. We're just babbling on about food as we always do here on the show. Uh, if you would like to call, I'd love to hear from you. I would love to get a sponsored call, but not until after three thirty, when Stan will move along. But he will be here from three to three thirty. Stan Meadows comes back for his first time in the spring after having been gone all winter. 
in Las Vegas in his motorhome with his doggy LW. I look forward to hearing the report on anything that he's found, especially in my old stomping grounds. I gave him sort of a specific list of places that I hoped that he would check in on. And uh, if he actually did, then we'll probably spend most of the report talking about that. Anyway, Stand Out is coming up next at 3 o'clock. You're listening to WGSO New Orleans. Time for the Louisiana Network News. It's 3 o'clock. Brian Diaz here, host of the NOLA Drink Show. Join us every Friday from 7 to 8 p.m. right here on WGSO, 990 a.m., New Orleans, Louisiana. Ship plan this afternoon in Pittsburgh. Democrats on the far left, including Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, saying that number is not nearly enough. Meanwhile, moderate Democrats aren't happy, and most Republicans are far ruling out raising taxes on corporations for infrastructure spending. As far as raising taxes, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki tells CNN... What the president proposed is changes to the corporate to make the corporate tax code more fair, bring the rate from 21 percent up to 28 percent, what it was before former President Trump took office. Pfizer announcing their COVID-19 vaccine is 100 percent effective in children ages 12 to 15. That's following a clinical trial of over 2,200 participants. USA Radio News. Hey, everybody. If you've ever thought about heirloom beans as a storable survival food, I've got great news. In fact, I'll bet it's the best news you've heard in a while. Here's the thing. We've just received a fresh batch of gourmet heirloom beans, survival soup beans. These beans are gorgeous, highly nutritious, and above all, with no hesitation whatsoever, the best tasting beans in the entire world. The best part? We've dropped the price by 33% this week for listeners who know higher food prices are coming and want an inflation hedge you can actually eat if you want to. Gets even better. With your permission and with a high regard for your health and well-being, I also want to send you two pounds of what we think is the single most underrated superfood in the world, period. Go to SoupBeanSurvival.com. That's SoupBeanSurvival.com. And discover the real reason we're giving this unusual superfood away at SoupBeanSurvival.com. That's SoupBeanSurvival.com. A new study shows promising results against new COVID-19 variants. A new study from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases showed evidence that the COVID vaccines will provide protection against the new variants of the virus. The study found that patients who had recovered after being infected by variants from the UK, South Africa, and Brazil all retained their immune response to the virus. The report stressed that a larger study was needed, as only 30 patients were examined, but said that the data would be valuable towards seeing whether booster shots will need to be developed. From the USA Radio News, Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. A juror says she suffered a stress-related reaction during the Derek Chauvin trial on Wednesday. A pool reporter inside the courtroom saying the court took an abrupt break after a juror stood up, waved her hands, and seemed flush and possibly ill. After about 20 minutes, a female juror took the stand and said for the record she had suffered what the judge called a stress-related reaction. You're listening to USA Radio News. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, and I want to tell you that arthritis is not a genetic thing. It's not a disease of aging. Neither is osteoporosis. Get a hold of my book. It's all in your head. It goes into the 25 different diseases you get when you have osteoporosis of the skull. These are all reversible. You take the Healthy Bone and Joint Pack, the MSM, vitamin D3, stay away from all the bad foods, including gluten, and guess what? You'll regrow all your bones, including your skull and your legs and your hips and everything else. Contact us at usaradiohealth.com. 
That's usaradiohealth.com. President Trump releasing a statement on Wednesday responding to the White House infrastructure bill, which he said would introduce new taxes and said it's among the largest self-inflicted economic wounds in history. The former president also sitting down with his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, and was asked if there's hope that the former president will run again in 2024. You do have hope. That I can tell you. <laughs> you do have hope. Uh, we love our country. This country... Uh, Colder night tonight, breezy and cool, but sunny returns tomorrow. Clearing skies after late afternoon and early evening rain. Falling through the 50s and early morning tomorrow, it's cold as lower to upper 40s. Still breezy, sunny sky throughout the day tomorrow. Breezy and cool throughout the day, the high of only low 60s. Sunshine Friday, the colder morning, 30s and 40s, followed by sunny in the afternoon high of lower to mid 60s. Saturday, Sunday, sunny skies, highs each day of the 60s. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. A My Social Security account allows you to access your earnings history and benefits information, request a replacement Social Security card, get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. second hour of the Tom Fitzmorris Food Show, or the second course, as he likes to say. And it is Wednesday in the second hour, 3 o'clock, which means that uh, beginning today, we have Stan Meadows back. He was with us for a long time as he headed west, and now he's heading, I want to say east, but maybe not. Hey there. Hey, Marianne. How are you doing? Hey, are you heading east or what? I am heading east. I'm actually on the wrong side of Oklahoma City right now. Uh, oh, so you're really Vegas. heading east. Yeah. Plus, uh, okay. LW's got a surprise coming. That's why I had to drive to Oklahoma City. I'll tell you about later. <laughs> um, but we, we left Las Vegas and found a place that's right south of Death Valley uh, uh -huh. called Tacopa, Tacopa Hot Springs. And okay. I spent a few weeks out there just relaxing with the with the water and uh, learning how to cook prickly pear cactus. Mm. So I trying to do that. And then uh, I headed over to uh, Arizona, Seelig, uh, Kingsman and Seligman and been on Route 66, mm -hmm. actually. Okay. I never made it up to the reservation because it's closed for oh, COVID. No. And I and I had to get out of that area because they were projecting uh, 17 degree weather, and the no motorhome is winterized. So I didn't want to get oh, caught up to busted pipes. Hmm. Uh, LW's been looking for a puppy because uh, he's 12 <laughs> years old, and uh, he's been looking for it's called an old time Scotch collie. They're they're very hard to find, mm -hmm. and. Uh, we found one that was available in Oklahoma City, so okay. we were going to pick him up tomorrow. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I hope he, I hope he likes him. Is it a he or a she? 
It's a it's a boy dog. Mm-hmm. L- okay. LW loves everything. And okay, everybody. that's good. That's good. All right. But I did so, see some cool stuff on Route 66. What's left of it? So. Yeah, I know. See, there's not much left of it. Okay, but let's back up for a little bit. So you were in Death Valley, and then you headed through Arizona. Did you do any of the Grand Canyon things that you were thinking about doing? No, they had 50-mile-an-hour winds in Arizona, so I had to skip over that trip oh, and with no. the cold weather. So that'll be another trip. Okay. Well, you're probably never coming back for real anyway, so I think it's an addiction that you develop once you get into behind the wheel of a motorhome for any length of time past, like, two weeks. I think if you make it past it's, two weeks, it's, an, it's a lifestyle. Well, to... Uh, yesterday, I mean, it's a year that I've been on the road. <gasps> wow. Golly. So. Gosh, time flies. I was just saying that we're coming up on a year of doing the show, and I didn't know that you had been gone. Uh, I thought the show and you kind of started at about the same time. So, wow, a year. Hmm. Okay, so you are, are, once you pass through Oklahoma City, I mean, you're kind of almost close to home. Are you just going to keep coming this way? Yeah, I'm gonna well. I'm gonna leave Oklahoma City and camp for for a while around. Check out Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Texas, and then head back to uh, the Ozarks. I'm gonna stay uh-huh. on Route 66. Uh, okay. You know the way uh-huh. the way you do Route 66 is you drive down Highway 40, and the only thing that there is to, to see with Route 66 is usually in the in the downtowns of the little towns. Uh-huh. Uh, that is preserved them, you know, for three or four miles at a time, then yeah. you get back on 40. So, yeah, it's too bad. Some of it's, it's still open. You know, that, that little, you and I had talked about a drive-in restaurant, and I think... Yeah, the, the little hamburger place. Out. Did you find it? Yeah, Snowcap. It's in Seligman. Wait, Snowcap? Uh, yep, Snowcap has been there. Del, it's like Delgado's or something like that, Snowcap been there forever it was in back in the day when route 66 and it's a quirky you know little little place it's a drive-in uh, mm-hmm. you know where they have this doorknob on the wrong side of the door so everybody pulls it wrong and uh, <laughs> and they have cheeseburgers on the menus with cheeseburgers with cheese uh their chicken sandwiches they call it dead chicken it's just a place like that but it's, it's, think- it still seems to be doing a good business I think this place that I'm thinking of is Mr. Something, and it's it's mm. not quirky. It's definitely straight out of the 50s, 60s, um, hamburger, and there's a couple of locations, and I want to say it is in, um, I don't know, uh, maybe it is Arizona, but I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna have to look it up myself on the uh, on the internet and see what hamburger joints are on 66. But I was really surprised to see what little bit of 66 was left. Is this is this your first time actually hunting down Route 66? This far west it is. I've I've yeah. driven Route 66 through Missouri and Illinois. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it's very little of it left. There's still a lot of sign signage. Uh, and uh, one of the best Not places on 66 was driving through Winslow, Arizona. I got to stand on a corner in Winslow, <laughs> Arizona, which has uh, been on my bucket list for 
Oh, I wish my bucket list was that simple. My goodness. That's it. You just wanted to stand on the corner of Winslow, Arizona. I love it. That's Gosh. all I could do. That's... Look, look for a flatbed Ford. So, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I got Okay, so well, no, I don't know this this thing that you're doing, this massive years long uh, new lifestyle was on your bucket list too. So that's kind of elaborate, actually. All right, so what food have you found any good food since we talked last? When did you leave uh, Las Vegas? I guess I lost left Las Vegas probably a month and a half, two months ago, maybe. Okay. Uh, any of the, any of the food that I've found after I since I left Las Vegas, hopefully it'll change. I'm here in Oklahoma, Texas area. Uh, I've been cooking because all the restaurants were closed in California, uh-huh. um, in Arizona, pretty much. So I didn't eat out a lot. There was no place to eat in in Tacopa. Uh, just a real small town. There may be 50 full-time residents there. There's a little brewery and a restaurant called Steak and Beer uh, that mm-hmm. was closed, but that's about all that was there. So I've been mm-hmm. trying to embrace, you know, some of the, the local product, like the cactus, uh, prickly pear cactus. It, it tastes like like you put a raspberry and a strawberry together. It tastes like it looks. It tastes like yeah. the color it is. My, uh, we have, yeah, when Tom was a single guy, this is a really bizarre story, but he has a lot of bizarre stories. So um, when he was a single guy, um, someone left a piece of a cactus pad on the lawn outside his apartment. And he picked it up, and he planted it, and it grew into a pretty big cactus pad. I forget what kind of cactus it's called. I mean, but it's it's the kind that makes the nopales. Okay, so the kind that makes the 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 prickly pear. So we planted it over here at the Cool Water Ranch when we moved in, and it became this enormously proliferate pile of cactus pads and then it started blooming with the prickly pear and then tom got it in his mind that he would like to make prickly pear jelly so every year it would harvest it we would harvest it usually in may i know i wish i wish i could do something i'd have to kill him i think but uh, <laughs> But I, I've moved the mic to where I can't, you know, he's, I think he's trying to talk, maybe he's trying to talk to LW, but mm-hmm. my dog is huge. He's 90 pounds, so I, I have to either shove him out or I don't know what to do with him. But anyway, he's moving, so that's good. Um, so we would harvest these prickly pears, and then Tom tried for a few years to make the jelly, but for some reason, he could never get the pectin levels correct. And so it never became jelly. It was always like a syrup. But it is this most beautiful pink color, like a fuchsia color. And I think we actually made like something, maybe a drink out of it. But we have tried it a number of years to do something with the prickly pears. What sort of luck did you have with yours? 
Well, I made a, a taco with them. You know, I always have a, usually have a campfire uh, wherever I'm at. And it comes in handy because that's what gets the stickers off of them. You hold them over, over a campfire and slice them open and grill them. And I use them. I made a little coleslaw out of some cilantro and cabbage and oil. Uh, and made tacos out of them, and they were pretty good. I'd, I'd do a few things different with it, probably marinate it in some lime. Uh, but I'm, it's funny you brought up the jelly because I'm going to make some jelly, uh, and you, I didn't know for sure what I'd do with it, so I put it on a biscuit, but then you got talking about pork chops, and I think uh, prickly, <laughs> pear, that pear, pear, prickly pear jelly yeah. would be an excellent uh, mm-hmm. glaze on pork chops. It oh, would, or or syrup. I hope you have better luck with yours than we had with ours, but I would imagine that a syrup would also work on pork chops or a ham or something. I would imagine yeah. that would work, too, if you just used it as a glaze. But, um, you know, it's funny. It doesn't it, – I don't know what happened, but they, it stopped blooming. So we just – Maybe we stopped harvesting it, but it stopped blooming. We used to have lots and lots of them around this time of year, but but we haven't seen them, you know, for years. But that's too bad. So good luck with yours. Have you thought about maybe trying to pickle them? I bet you they'd make a pretty interesting pickle. I'll let you know because I'll do some. I got a bunch of. Where'd you get them? You just like picked them wild. You just picked them wild. Bottom off the side of the road in Arizona. Uh huh. Okay. They sell. Okay. So. Yeah. Uh, All right. So just, the I new experiments are going to be with prickly pears. All right. We'll keep. Yeah. We'll we'll get reports on the prickly pear adventures of Stan as he comes back this way. Stan, hold on for a second. We have break, and I'm going to throw my dog out. So we will be back. Five five six nine six nine six with Stan Meadows. One of my favorite roast beef poor boys isn't a poor boy place at all. DiMartino's is a wonderful restaurant with traditional Italian food and excellent fish and chicken dishes, as well as the muffalettas for which they are known. With three locations on the West Bank that are more casual, the Covington restaurant feels upscale with good food and great prices. It's a winner. DiMartino's Covington, Marrero, Algiers, and Terrytown. DiMartino's.com. Have you ever eaten something new and wondered where it had been all your life? We thought that about Double D Sausage after having it at a friend's house. But restaurants all over town serve it in their gumbo, red beans, and jambalaya. It's made right in Bogalusa, and the company is in its third generation. Double D Sausage is a light smoke, pure pork sausage with notes of sage and other spices. Try the regular mild and hot and new flavors like the Cajun variety and jalapeno and cheddar. Double D Sausage in stores all over town. Autumn in New York. Why does it seem so inviting? You know, uh, when I threw the dog out, um, I looked out at the window and I saw the gigantic cactus. And I saw just one or two of the green prickly pears that are getting ready to start blooming. And usually they have the yellow flower and then it turns the the pretty color. But um, I think that what's happened is that the, the, the pads themselves have gotten so hard that they just maybe are not blooming anymore, or maybe we stopped harvesting them, and so they stopped 
making fruit. I don't know. But um, now I'm kind of curious. I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to that cactus now that we're talking about prickly pears. We had a long run with prickly pears in this house with various experiments um, with the like the juice and then the um, the jelly and then the syrup. And that was it, but it was it went on for several years. So let's see what your experiments with it yield. I know that javelinas really like them. Have you run into any javelinas? No, I haven't. Okay, they they just eat the whole thing with the the thorns there. Uh, that those are some serious serious thorns or whatever needles, I guess. Uh, yeah. And they. Yeah, they. I had this. I had one in my leg and didn't know it for years, and and I had like something removed from my leg, but it was not the the needle. And when they went in to remove it, they noticed the needle had been in there for who knows how long. I don't even know it was in there. So got to yeah, watch I, those needles. <laughs> I hold it uh, with a pair of tongs. I hold it above a yeah. fire, open fire, uh -huh. and it burns them off pretty good, and then scrape them. But it's I didn't still know awkward. that. It's still awkward with them. Yeah, I didn't know that that was how you did it. So you have to heat it, and then they they just fall off. Yeah, well, you scrape them off. You you put it put it on there like you're roasting a marshmallow for about uh -huh. that long, and then you pull it off. Uh -huh. And with a, I got a machete. I use so you scrape it, scrape them off with it, and then you slice them open. Okay, so, so does it does it come off with the skin? So in other words, the needles and the skin come off like a jacket, and then you have the raw fruit underneath. Yep, that's probably okay. a good way to describe it. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try that. If we get any fruit this year, I'm gonna go ahead and try it that way. All right. So, do you have a list of places that, you, besides your prickly pear adventures and picking up the dog, do you have a list of things that you're planning to do as you head back here? Are you coming back here? Uh, I don't have any plans uh, other than oh, okay. getting LW's puppy tomorrow. And uh -huh. uh, going camping for a while. I'm going to go to the Ozarks probably uh -huh. when I leave uh, Oklahoma and uh -huh. spend some time uh, back in the Ozarks. I really enjoyed being there before. And yeah. then working my way, uh, probably going over to Kentucky Lake for a while, uh -huh. uh, camping over there, and maybe head back that way this fall. Back, so, for there, Florida. So you are pretty much not planning to come back to New Orleans at any particular time uh, and are just going to keep traveling east and see where it leads you. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I want to cook some uh, Oklahoma food. I, I want to uh -huh. learn, learn a little bit about Oklahoma food. One, uh, I know that I know you love burgers. I do. Uh, mm-hmm. In Oklahoma, one of the, the state foods in Oklahoma is a Oklahoma fried onion burger. So, what is that? Uh, you basically shred onions, you know, slice onions real small and put them mm -hmm. in a pan and then put a burger patty on top of them and okay. smash it down in it and then flip it over like that. And it's like a. Well, we have that at Lee's hamburgers here. I mean, that's not a particularly. Uh, notable thing well, for Oklahoma, is it? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a technique how you do it. You basically encrust the burger with onions, it looks like. I haven't uh -huh. had one, but mm -hmm. I'm going to try to find one and eat it, and then I'm going to 
recreate it. Okay. So it, what it sort of... Have, Go ahead. Go ahead, I'm sorry. It probably won't have the right kind of spices in it, but I can fix that. So, so what, what sort of food have you been cooking uh, in the camper, and have you had any great adventures in the resorts? Well, I've been, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in Chinatown in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've been trying to do a lot with soba noodles. I've been working on a, a soup soba recipe, which mm-hmm. soba is a, a buck, buckwheat noodle. Uh, and I've been working on a soup soba recipe, which is mushrooms, it's a vegetable broth, uh, garlicky soy sauce. And these soba noodles, and then also a, um, a soba dish, a, a chicken soba dish. I've been cooking chicken on the pit, chicken legs, and then shredding that down and making soba, yakisoba with it. Okay. Uh, which is, now, I love it. Oh, I was about to say, do you really actually like soba noodles? So you do? I do. I love them. Okay. Okay. Good. I mean, I've had them, but I, I was not all that overwhelmed by them or even all that impressed with them. But um, they are definitely a thing out out west, uh, particularly in Los Angeles is where I've seen them most. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, you're going to hang out in Texas and Oklahoma and check out the food there. I would imagine you're going to have some good barbecue, huh? Yeah, actually, I did yesterday. I can't remember the little town of Amarillo, I guess, Tyler's Barbecue. And it was real good. I like watching them chop it. You you go to the counter and order it, and then they chop it right in front of you. Did you Uh, go to the Big Tex? The what? The Big Tex. No, but I've seen it. That's where you can, uh, (laughs) within an hour, you can eat a 72 did you so did you see it at all because it's really something to see the big text is something to see no i drove by it and it was pretty early in the morning uh-huh. uh, i'm not even sure they was open lw told me that he could probably eat a four pound <laughs> steak in an hour uh, it's a very money to back it up so it's a very gimmicky place there's a little saloon in there and uh, it's um, it's definitely uh, more about the experience than it is about the quality of the food. But it is, if you're passing through Amarillo, certainly worth, you know, just having a look at it for sure. There's a place, you know, Tom, one of Tom's favorite places in the whole wide world is the Rio Grande Valley. And there's a lot of cool places tucked away in those mountains there and um and there's a lot of interesting little barbecue joints down there so if you wind up there i don't know how you would i mean if you're going to arkansas i can't imagine that you would be going that far down but since you appear to have no uh particular plans other than to head east um i just thought i'd throw that out there because there's it's a lot of mysterious sort of cool places down there Sounds like it's a cowboy I'm hotel. Hmm? I'm happy to be in Oklahoma and Texas because every everything's opened up. The restaurants are open, yeah. and yeah. you know California, Arizona. <laughs> I couldn't hardly find anywhere to eat. I know. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to to getting some good food and and spend some money at some restaurants. You know they, yeah. they need it. 
get back to sort of normal life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, that's what, you know, that's what my, we had Tom's 70th birthday about two months ago and I had a sister from Maryland and another one from Washington who came and they were just amazed at how normal things were here. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, it's just the difference in the States. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I, so you're going to stay where you are now for a while, and uh, the next time we talk to you, you'll probably still be in Oklahoma? Oh, yeah. I got a housebreak okay. LW's new dog before we go much farther down the road. Okay. After I get home. <laughs> okay. Have you met anybody interesting in any of the resorts since we talked last? I, uh, you know, I, I stayed at a ghost town. It, it's called Calico. It's in yeah, California. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I, I stayed there, and I looked up, and there was a little baby mouse that had made his way over to LW's food bowl. Uh, <laughs> and then the mouse left. I'd never seen him again. So I, I think that <laughs> these mice have trained themselves, because there's just a little <laughs> RV park there at Calico. They've trained uh-huh. themselves. When an RV pulls in, they hop up in it and scound, eat all the dog food or whatever they can get hold of, and then they left. So that's about the most how many, interesting person I've met. <laughs> how many, how many, uh, play, were there a lot of people in that Calico, uh, quote, resort? Uh, yeah, actually, it was pretty full. There was a lot of people really? there. They, huh? And most of them, I think, were there for a few days. You know, they stayed around. I just kidding. stayed there overnight because uh, yeah. I drove down to Desert Hot Springs, and it was on the way there. Mm. Um yeah, I went to Calico in 1969 with my two brothers. I, I, uh, one of my brothers moved to California with the Navy, and uh, I drove out with him and my other brothers, and I, my, my younger brother and I flew back, but um, we went to Calico. That's the last time I was in Calico. It's definitely a ghost town in the middle of nowhere. Well, and I'm trying to think if, if is it Knott's Berry Farms? That's in, that's in California, but not. Yeah. There. Okay. Not the, the guy yeah. that owned not that started Knott's Berry Farms, he bought that town in oh, Calico cool. and he redid the whole town and then he gave it to the county to maintain oh, cool. and run. And so they've, they've done a lot of improvements with it. I'll send you some pictures oh. of it. Yes, yeah, send me pictures because it's been a long time since I've been there. All right, we have a hard break at the bottom of the hour, Stan. We will talk to you next week. All right? Take care. Can't wait. Have a good Thank week. Thank you. Same here. Bye-bye. All right, 556-9696. We'll be back. Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Jeff Palermo. Next week, Louisiana is set to receive over 300,000 first doses of COVID-19 vaccine, by far the largest allocation yet. Governor John Bell Edwards says next week, if you're 16 or older and want a vaccine, they'll have one for you. All you have to do is make an appointment. The month of April is going to be critical to our success. And to help speed up that vaccination campaign, next week the state is launching a vaccination hotline. Edward says the hotline will make it incredibly easy to get a vaccine appointment. It's a smart solution. It is timely and it comes at no additional cost. I'm Matt Doyle. State police is investigating the death of a man who died while in the custody of Bossier City police officers. A preliminary investigation has found that BCPD officers arrived at a business after receiving a call about a stolen car and took a male suspect into custody. Authorities say shortly after the arrest, police called EMS because the man became unconscious. The suspect was pronounced dead at the scene. LRN. 
Hello, can I help you, y'all? Hi, we're the Doubler Twins, and we do everything in doubles. Everything in doubles. <laughs> really? Yep, double the outfit. Our outfits look alike. Double the hair. Our ponytails are exactly the same. We even have matching parrots. Matching parrots to boot. Double-doubler. Double-doubler. So, what do you have that doubles? Anything that doubles? Uh, oh, uh, how about Cash Double Doubler, the new $10 game from the lottery? You could win up to 20 times. Y you could both even win up to $200,000. Cash Double Doubler? I like the sound of that. Love the sound of that. Double your fun and play Cash Double Doubler from the lottery. Win up to 20 times. Win up to $200,000. Great. This is just what we were looking for. Bye. This is just what we were looking for. Hmm, I guess not everything is double. Bye. Huh. Pick up Cash Double Doubler today. Win up to $200,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. The Edwards Mortgage Group, the Mason Collective, NOLA Title Group, and ARC Insurance Consultants are the ones to call on for all of your home needs. Whether it's mortgages, closing, sales, or insurance, they take care of your home needs, and now they've come together to help take care of the needs of our beloved New Orleans music community by partnering with Bougainvillea Productions and Soul Project NOLA for Fridays from the Funky Uncle. Fridays from the Funky Uncle is a free webcast live from the one-of-a-kind Mardi Gras float, the Funky Uncle Lounge, that features New Orleans musicians playing live music combined with interviews and outreach news to raise money for the entertainment community of New Orleans that have been impacted by COVID-19. You can join in the funky fun time by simply going to www.funkyuncle.live every Friday night at 7 p.m. On April 2nd, the Funky Uncle will be celebrating its one-year anniversary with a very special performance from the soul queen of New Orleans, Irma Thomas, along with other very special guests. For more information on how you can support Fridays from the Funky Uncle, go to to FunkyUncle.live. I like a Gershwin tune. How about you? I do like a Gershwin tune and so many other tunes. I'm I'm watching through these big windows as the um, as the sky begins to look really ominous outside. I was going to go ride my bike after the show, but that may not be possible, which is disappointing. Five five six nine six nine six. I am making a personal appeal for a caller. I don't need a lot of callers, but I do need a caller. I mean, we'll live without it. But Cava Bistro would love to sponsor someone's call, and uh, we would love to have a caller for them to sponsor. It's so funny. Sometimes we have lots of calls. Sometimes we have no calls. Sometimes we have something in between. But um, now that we have this sponsor, Cava Bistro, we have this silly little thing that we play where they sponsor a call. But, you know, we have to have a call for them to sponsor. So 556-9696 is the number if you would like to talk. Uh, if you have plans for Easter, I would love to hear what they are. You know, now that I'm, I'm thinking about those prickly pears, the idea of doing a prickly pear glaze on some kind of pork sounds actually pretty delicious. So, you know, a lot of things have changed in the Fitzmaurice house, as you probably read between the lines here. Uh, over the last few years, and a lot of the things that were normal, quirky, but normal things that we did, like um, harvest prickly pears, 
we just somehow forgot about in pursuit of more pressing things. And I have gone to the cactus out there and have toyed with the idea of having this big thing just come in and dig it all up. And, uh, but it just would seem not right. The, the cactus has been part of the Cool Water Ranch for, since we moved here, so 30 years. But now that I look at it, and mainly I, I look at it to sort of curse it because it's become very wooden. These old cactus pads have become actually wooden. And I think that that must have something to do with the fact that the prickly pear is not blooming anymore. But I am going to pay attention to it because honestly, for the last few years, we've been so busy with other things, not nearly as pleasant, that um, I haven't even I haven't even noticed the prickly pear. And it used to be where it would be around our daughter's birthday, and the cactus would be filled with these yellow flowers, and then we would pick them, and then do something with them. And I don't even know why, maybe we froze the, the prickly pear juice and then did it at the holiday time, but it doesn't really add up because the prickly pears are getting ripe in the next month or so. They have to do with our daughter's birthday, but then the holidays aren't until six months later. So I didn't really pay all that much attention to the system that Tom had. Um, and now I'm kind of inclined to, although it's probably too late because I don't really see any. But uh, hopefully there will be some. I see that there's one out there for sure. So uh, maybe that'll be our only harvest. And maybe it has to do with the fact that we didn't pull them off the tree, that we don't have any. But that's, that's sad. Anyway, I have other plans of things to do um, having to do with gardening and such. And I want to do an herb garden. That's a big goal of mine coming up in the next couple of weeks. And also to start growing tomatoes because I see tomato plants everywhere. And I have a bunch of pots with plants that died that it would be easy enough just to put a tomato in. So I'm actually planning to do a little bit more outdoor gardening this year. Let's see if that how that goes. But I went to my sister's today and she has been trying to give me fennel, which she did. And the whole car smells like anise. But um, it's kind of crazy how serious the fennel embeds into the soil. And I pretty much had to get a shovel and dig it up. I didn't. What I did was she gave me a knife and I had to saw, and I do mean saw, a fennel bulb from another fennel bulb and it's really we took like half of the plant and she is as astonished as I am at how this has really grown into this massive bush of fronds and then she gave me some of the parsley that is also growing uh, profusely in she must have some sort of volcanic soil there but her, her plants are really, really healthy. So she took me out back and I took some parsley as well. The parsley is now going to seed. So she gave me that. And now I'm going to experiment with parsley seeds and plant those, coriander seeds and plant those to see if I get cilantro. And then um, 
I don't know what I'm going to do. The fennel is going to seed as well, but I'm kind of afraid to put a fennel in the soil and see if it grows into this massive thing like she has. Although she planted the fennel to get butterflies. That was her goal. And she said, for some reason, this fennel, which is extremely healthy and robust, taking up everything, she says, it for some reason is not attracting that many butterflies. She's kind of a butterfly freak. But anyway, um, I find that kind of curious. But I don't think I'm going to plant the fennel because I don't know that I want it to take over. But I don't really think it would because my soil here is not very good. I'm going to give myself a pass and say that it's not really completely me, that it might have something to do with the soil too. 5569696 is the number. If you want to talk to me, I'm here to do that with you, and I'd love for you to call so Cava Bistro can sponsor your call. I want to mention that Jackmel Inn is a place that you should come if you are looking for really delicious food. It is a drive. It's in Hammond. We do have a lot of listeners in Hammond, but you would probably just be driving from the South Shore. And that's a very worthwhile thing to do because this is worthy of being a destination restaurant. Paul Murphy is an excellent restaurateur. He took up residence in this historic house in uh, Hammond 43 years ago, and it became Jack Mel Inn. It has six fireplaces where you can eat around a fire six different ways. There are cozy nooks and crannies, very romantic place to dine. The food of Josh Garrick, his chef, is exemplary. It is in that 10% of really delicious food that you will think about after you have eaten it. Paul is quite the enophile. He has um, an extensive wine list of carefully selected wines. He knows a lot about wines. Jack Mel Inn has Tuesday night steak night. They have a great brunch on Sunday. They have a Friday two-course lunch special for $15. Absolutely worth the drive for that. Jack Mel Inn is located at 903 East Morris in Hammond. That phone number to make a reservation, and you should make a reservation, is 985 I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a complete blank. 985-542-0043. And we'll be back after these messages. One of my all-time favorite restaurants is the legendary Pascal's Manali. It's now open for lunch Wednesday through Friday with happy hour specials in the dining room every day. Tuesdays, enjoy two-for-one appetizers and Hans's vodka martinis. Wednesday and Thursdays, wine and beer specials. Friday's lunch martinis are $5. Say hello to my friend Thomas at that great oyster bar when you go to Pascal's Manali, 1838 Napoleon Avenue. Reservations are recommended. Call 895-4877. Keith Young Steakhouse on the North Shore in Madisonville is everything anyone thinks of when a steakhouse comes to mind. The environment is elegant and handsome. The service staff is knowledgeable, attentive, and friendly. And most important, the steaks are superb. The Steakhouse sides are also great. Keith Young Steakhouse, 165 Highway 21, Madisonville, 985-845-9940. I'll take Manhattan, the Bronx, and Staten Island, too. 
In Tom's Almanac today, there is a funny joke, which you may have heard, but it is amusing. It is the birthday in 1596. I didn't realize he was that far back in history. Rene Descartes. He is a revolutionary figure in both mathematics and philosophy. He's French. He's most notable, I think, as a philosopher. And there's a particular story about him that that is relevant and that's why Tom has it in the almanac. His most famous utterance gives rise to a good restaurant joke, one that not everybody gets right away. It seems that Descartes dined in an elegant Paris restaurant one night. He enjoyed a large, excellent repast. The waiter offered him a dessert on the house. Descartes paused for a moment and then he said, I think not. And instantly he disappeared. You have to know something about Rene Descartes for that to make sense, but um, and it's too long to go into right now, but it is, it's a funny joke, I have to say. Uh, Tim is on the line. You're not, oh yeah, he's at home, of course. Hello, Tim. Hello, Marianne. How are you all doing this afternoon? We are we are watching uh, torrential rain. Is it raining over there? Oh no, we're not having that just yet uh, on the lakefront in the South Shore. No, not here. Does it's it coming. look like it's okay? I was about to say, does uh, it, it look like it it's could, coming? But it doesn't doesn't look like it's going to be torrential. But it 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 could. But uh, uh, there's going to be a significant temperature change as we move into the evening hours. I so. know. I know. There you go. All you right, so okay? Tim, I got it. I, I got a text saying that you were talking about our commander's conversation yesterday, <laughs> and I I listened to the show today so I could hear what you were what what was going on because it was it was um, reported to me that you were a little upset about what we were saying about commanders. So when I listened to it, I was trying to figure out why in the world you were talking about what you were talking about, which was the dress code, where there was absolutely nothing in the conversation that we had about commanders. So um, the, I, and I started to say I was going to, I didn't know who had told you what we were talking about, and uh, Henry said it was him, so I was going to joke with you that <laughs> the old, the old, um, game as a kid telephone where you you know say something to someone and then it goes around a circle and then it gets yep. back to the person who originally said it and they they have no idea what what how it got to where it was reported to them that that's how they originally and I wasn't upset by the way I wasn't upset but is that the game we played I, I can understand no, 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 no. So, so anyway, I the conversation started like this. I just wanted to say what what actually happened because it sounded like you were upset that we were dissing commanders, which we were, in fact. No, but no, no, for no, not no. The same I wasn't reason. upset. I, I'm for not, not apologist for commanders at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not that at all. No. So what we were talking about is I got a, a call from a regular caller, and he dines out absolutely everywhere all the time, and he was saying that he doesn't get commanders, which I vociferously agreed with. I don't either. But um, I did say that the uh, I'm not a fan of the food particularly, but um, that it was in a class by itself in terms of 
welcoming experience. Like if you go to Commander's, I mean, you can go to a lot of different restaurants and you will be warmly welcomed. But at Commander's, it's almost like you come in on a float as the king of a parade and you are feted in a way that you are the most important person in the world, like a rock star with paparazzi, you know. And then I think that that's a worthwhile thing to do that if you, you know, that that's an experience that you're not going to get anyplace else. I mean, I've dined a lot of places all over the world. I've never been welcomed in a restaurant like at Commander's where you kind of come in in a parade, actually. So um, we talked a little bit about the food. And I what I said was that the two ladies that run it now are much more casual and hip and fun than the tradition that has been commanders in previous generations. And so um, I think that there is a vibe at commanders that is different than it used to be. And I haven't been in a long time and I want to go. I certainly haven't been since the new chef is has is there. Have you been under the yes, Meg? Yes, she's okay. fabulous. But but she's okay. been there for years. Right, right. So has she the food changed under, very she much? She's worked under Tori, yeah. Yeah. Has the food is her style, you know, in keeping with Tori's? I mean, is this the continuation of Tori or does she have her own style? Uh the answer to that is yes. Um she's establishing her own style uh, there and as as her style's always been a part at least for the last 10 12 years been a part of what commanders was and is mm-hmm. um and uh but she isn't kicking Tori under the bus uh still a lot of really terrific dishes there uh well designed well crafted well prepared uh so um yeah, so is the I, menu I pretty that, much the same? Like if you were if you were dining there and you didn't know Tori had left, you know, like I'll give you I'll give you an example. When Slade Rushing took over Brennan's, the Jackson salad was still on the menu, but it had nothing to do with the Jackson salad of the past Brennan's. It was all the same ingredients rearranged in a totally different and very exciting way. So the question is, if you sat there at Commander's and didn't know that Tori had left, would you know that Tori had left? Uh, yes. Uh, not because the dishes are not the same. There are you know, fewer Tori dishes on the menu, but they are still classically done the way Tori would do it if he were sitting in the kitchen. Uh, she has brought uh, something a little different to the table, and so you go like, "Wow, I've never seen that on the menu before." So uh, you like know what? there was a new. Well, when we went, and yeah, we were there two weeks ago, I guess maybe we we went for um, um, St. Patrick's Day, and they had a terrific um, uh, corned beef um, uh, dish there, uh, which I don't remember commanders ever acknowledging that sort of thing uh but uh it was uh, very creative uh in uh a very light barbecue sauce uh with uh terrific um um 
uh, vegetables around it. Uh, I forget what they were now, but uh, it was nothing that you would have seen at Commanders a while back. Although I feel like, in your reference to T and Lolly, who are now running the, the restaurant, that they are feeling their family's Irish oats now. Well, they've and always that, had a they've always had a big St. Patty's Day thing at Commanders. This, this, this wasn't a big St. This was a thing. Uh, but but they had the dining room decked out in in the green, and you got a little green bead and that sort of thing. So, uh, but this wasn't a big deal. There were a lot of people that were there not for St. Patty's Day; they were there for a Sunday brunch mm-hmm. uh, type of thing. So th- it was kind of squirting off in both directions at the same time. Uh, yeah, well, Dick Brennan was, was a huge, a huge. I mean, they're Irish, you know. He was big into his Irish roots, yeah, so they yeah, the they Brennan, always absolutely. recognize yeah. that holiday there. Um, but yeah, I don't. Yeah. I've never, I've never been there for that. I know they've had a, a party there, but I've never been, or I don't remember that I've been. But I was just well, wondering. I'm, I'm, if, I'm like you. I've been to the parties, but mm-hmm. I've never been to a sit-down brunch of that. Now they may have had those. But this year in particular, without parades, uh, maybe this gave them the room, the time to stage such an affair. Well, they've, they've been moving in the direction of, um, you know, less classically historic New Orleans for a long time. I remember going to a barbecue dinner at Commander's probably four or five years ago. And so, you know, it's been moving in that direction and I and I was just saying that I, I feel like it's I feel like the vibe is very different with the two girls running it rather than um, what had been there previously and and I've not you know both look it was just one caller and I neither of us were huge Tory fans I like Tory personally but I've just never you know really been excited about um, about the food they are sure you know sure, that's reasonable so, that's reasonable yeah. I, I, so anyway. did, I did not find a, a uh, uh, an increased air of informality it still had that uh, at a certain level of service um, I would have been very uncomfortable in there if I could have gotten in even without a coat um, and, you, know, you were talking uh, mostly about the the dress code but we didn't even mention the dress code because we didn't even notice. I like what we do. I like what New Orleans does in terms of keeping fine dining restaurants like Galatoire's uh, fine dining. And, and mm-hmm. it's all the way around. You have to respect the institution. You have to respect the cuisine. You have to respect the other people in the room. I like all of that. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. there's too little of that in I don't America even notice right all now. that. So that's why, we, that's why we didn't talk about that yesterday because... That's not even something I would notice, you know. I mean, I, I I notice other people in the room, but they're them being there doesn't really have any reflection on my experience at all. And that was the same with the the guy that called. We were just mainly talking about um, the food and the more casual vibe that we felt was operating at commanders in the last few I, I didn't feel that. I felt yeah, the level yeah. of service was still at a very high level. Oh, the service uh, is incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't think that that sort of thing has slipped. Yeah. I don't think so. Greeting you at the door and escorting you to your table. 
uh, up the stairwell and uh, to into the garden rooms where we were, and and I liked that. And oh yeah, yeah. In the matter of of, of just uh, yeah, our, our other guys at the top of the stair go see him, and he's going to take you to your table. They great. They take you all the way through the restaurant. No, it's and it's, and it's we had enough of the of the waiters. We had we were certainly uh, being paid attention to, and uh, they didn't. There's no cutbacks there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that wasn't that that's not really what we were talking about. Basically, um, it is always what it has been and even more so, actually, uh, this greeting is absolutely in a class by itself. And there is absolutely no change in that whatsoever. But I just generally feel like it's it's more hip than it has been, and I never looked at Commanders as being a particularly hip place. That was what we were saying, essentially. Okay. All right, I got to run. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad you came on. I just wanted to uh, to clarify that so that we didn't hurt your feelings about saying those things. No, 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 we're clear. I okay. didn't have any hurt feelings. It wasn't, it right. wasn't me at all. I, I, okay. I was just explaining my view, and, and there we were. But no, no hurt feelings, none. All right, take care. Thanks, Tim. Bye. That was Tim McNally of the Dine, Wine, and Spirit Show coming up right after this. WGSO is celebrating 75 years, and uh, it is their 75 for 75 campaign that they would like to invite you to participate in. If you go to the new website, WGSO.com, you will see a button that says Donate. We would love to have you donate because WGSO is celebrating not only 75 years of being the only locally owned news talk station and the community voice of the Crescent City. But they are a 501c3 designation by the IRS now, which means that if you click that donate button, your donation will be tax deductible. Please participate in the year-long 75 for 75 campaign and happy anniversary to WGSO. You know what? Tim doesn't know it, but his call was sponsored by Cava Bistro. Cava Bistro is fine dining come to Metairie. That is C-A-V-A, Cava Bistro, right across from Basil's Ace Hardware in Transcontinental. It is a small but very gourmet menu there. It is sort of candlelight, soft light cozy and romantic with the red roses and the white tablecloths and the fine everything. Cava Bistro, fine dining, come to Metairie. Make a reservation for Tuesday or Wednesday. They're pretty booked on the weekends, but check them out. Cava Bistro. Nomenu.com is our platform, our written platform of the Tom Fitzmaurice Food Show. It is where Tom, uh, you will find all of his archival work, his incredible, I call him the encyclopedia of New Orleans food. All of that is written down, and uh, it is on the website, nomenu.com. If you go there, you can sign up for our newsletter, which comes out twice a week, and all of those things are delivered to your inbox twice a week. We have on nomenu.com, first of all, the food show. If you have missed a portion of the food show, you can go there and click on the food show, which comes right up, and that's where you'll get our podcast. We have 400 some odd recipes in the recipe section. There's Tom's uh, extinct restaurants, his uh, various educational 
works having to do with things like omelets, as I read earlier. We have our dining diary there, specials around town, uh, information about who's open now after COVID. There are reviews of restaurants, hundreds of those. NoMenu.com is a good place to go if you want to know anything about New Orleans food. We'd also love for you to tell someone about the show. A friend would also like to drop out from all the cares of the day for two hours, two to four, every weekday. They can download the simple radio app. It is free and type in 990 New Orleans and listen from any place. We also have a page for Instagram at the New Orleans menu. A lot of pretty pictures there. We'd love for you to follow us at the New Orleans menu. And that's about it for us. Like I said, Tim McNally is coming up next with the Dine, Wine, and Spirits show. We will be back tomorrow with Nicole Dorgnack at 3. It is 4 o'clock, WGSO New Orleans. News time. Join me, BJ Rust, every weekday at 6 p.m. for the Something to Say radio show right here on WGSO 990 AM, New Orleans, Louisiana. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Texas Republican Congressman Mike McCall is no fan of the $2.3 trillion bill. And look, the economy was doing pretty well a year ago until until the coronavirus hit. Yeah. Thank goodness now we have the vaccines. We'll get the economy back on track by sure. getting our country. There is a problem from infusing way too much cash into a system that right now may have difficulty right. absorbing it. That audio, courtesy of Fox News. The hot real estate market may be showing some early signs of cooling off, pending home sales dropping 10.6% in February from its level of the previous month. Realtors saying supply remains very low for affordable homes, while it's not as bad for high-end properties. This is USA Radio News. The border is in crisis. After President Trump secured the border with Mexico, everyone's worried about the growing problem. And why is the Biden administration spending $86 million on hotel rooms for captured migrants? Now, Grant Stinchfield investigates the border crisis and finds the real truth about Biden's executive orders and dangerous policies. So watch Stinchfield on Newsmax TV tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern as he reveals the dangers to our economy and security. Newsmax TV is one of America's leading cable news channels. It's on all major cable systems. If you don't get it, call your cable operator. Tell them you want Newsmax or you'll switch to a new service. Remember, you can get Newsmax free on Roku, YouTube, Zumo, Pluto, Amazon Fire, and smart TVs like Samsung, Sony, or LG. It's even free on your smartphone. Just download the free Newsmax app and start watching anytime. Find out about the real border crisis on Grant Stinchfield tonight on Newsmax TV. It's real news for real people. Witness testimony is underway in day three of the Derek Chauvin trial. Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer, is accused of killing George Floyd last year by kneeling on his neck for almost nine minutes outside of a convenience store. Today's testimony began again with an EMT who terrified on Tuesday that she witnessed the incident and was upset by what she saw. The Supreme Court is hearing arguments today regarding how the NCAA compensates college athletes. The NCAA's lead attorney, Seth Waxman, argues the importance of amateurism in college sports. Maintaining that distinct character is both pro-competitive because it differentiates the NCAA's product from professional sports and can be achieved only through agreement. 
Plaintiff's attorney Jeff Kessler and several justices pushed back on that claim, Justice Samuel Alito pointing out that athletes already receive scholarships and stipends. This is USA Radio News. World-renowned Brennan's Restaurant is steeped in wine, and for the first time in 70 years, its award-winning wine program is led by an all-woman team. I'm Braith Tidwell, the wine director at Brennan's, and my gifted team of certified sommeliers stand ready to pair the perfect bottle from our vast cellar of 1,400 selections and 15,000 bottles with your fabulous meal. Brennan's fabled two-story cellar has it all, including a deep collection of French burgundies, limited-run California vintages, and over 100 selections of champagne and sparkling wines. WGSO from the Bucharest to Funchell Square. Things have changed. WGSO. Do you know what it means to love New Orleans? Celebrating 75 years, we are the community voice of the Crescent City. WGSO 990 AM. Colder night tonight. Breezy and cool, but sunny returns tomorrow. Clearing skies after late afternoon and early evening rain. Falling through the 50s and early morning tomorrow. It's cold as lower to upper 40s. Still breezy. Sunny sky throughout the day tomorrow. Breezy and cool throughout the day. The high of only low 60s. Sunshine Friday, the colder morning, 30s and 40s. Followed by sunny in the afternoon high of lower to mid 60s. Saturday, Sunday, sunny skies, highs each day of the 60s. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. A My Social Security account allows you to access your earnings history and benefits information, request a replacement Social Security card, get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Welcome to the New Orleans Dine, Wine, and Spirits Show, your daily opportunity to hear what's going on in the world of beverage and dining in New Orleans and around the world. Your host is Tim McNally. Tim welcomes your phone calls and your questions. Call 504-556-9696. Now, here's your host, Tim McNally. Here we go on a hump day afternoon. We hope you're doing well today. Uh, wow, pretty warm out there, y'all. 83 degrees, uh, 84 degrees, depending on where you are in the city. Uh, we've got uh, some uh, uh, high temps and high humidity. It's uh, uh, at about uh, 60 to 62 percent humidity, so it feels much warmer than 83 uh and so uh but we're not staying there we're gonna we're gonna be tumbling off of that pretty quickly uh this evening as we move into the evening hours even before sunset uh we'll be down uh to the upper 60s uh by seven o'clock and then throughout the evening hours we'll be in the low 50s uh going into tomorrow morning so that front is coming through 
the South Shore uh, is not going to see much rain at all. Uh, the North Shore uh, is receiving rain right now, we are told. We heard on the earlier show with uh, Tom and Marianne Fitzmorris. Uh, and uh, we are, um, we're not going to see that rain here on the South Shore. It isn't going to make it this far south. And as we go forward tomorrow, there is no rain at all uh, in our forecast. Uh, we're not seeing rain again um, uh, through next Wednesday. So uh, if it happens, it'll be just a light, light shower. We're going to get down. We're going to be uh, 62 as a high tomorrow. Uh, probably get down into the mid-40s uh, in the evening hours uh, for tomorrow and for Friday, for uh, Good Friday. Uh, Saturday, we're going to start climbing back up towards 70. We'll be in the upper 50s. And then on Sunday, the clouds are going to come back in in a big way. And we'll be in the lower uh, to middle 70s uh, Sunday, Monday. Uh, Tuesday will be right there too. And then Wednesday, back up to where we are today about 80 degrees or thereabouts. Uh, so uh, it's going to be uh, spring-like, right? Uh, and that's uh, that's all well and good. But uh, keep in mind that this evening, if you're going out early, like right now, uh, I would uh, bring a little jacket with you uh, in case you're coming back later in the evening because along about 10 o'clock or so, uh, we're going to be uh, somewhere around 60. It's going to drop off pretty quickly when that front starts coming through. South Shore, no rain is projected. Uh, North Shore, entirely possible that we'll be looking at some rain. Uh, ought to be a pretty Easter weekend. Ought to be very nice. Uh, temperature in the low 70s, uh, evening temps in the low 60s. And uh, uh, if you want to go out and uh, catch uh, uh, a brunch or catch maybe uh, one of the Easter festivities that are going on, I'm sure there will be several. In fact, I got a report. Uh, just today, midday, someone that was in the quarter last weekend, uh, midday, Saturday and Sunday, and they said, boy, there were a lot of people out. I think we're going to see that again this weekend, and I have great mixed emotions about it uh, because, as this person pointed out, they all were not wearing masks, so uh, that uh, probably is not, not the way to go about it. But uh, we need to uh, continue to keep our guard up, please. And uh, if you think about it, you should. You can't go in anywhere without a mask. Uh, the governor affirmed that yesterday, although the governor in the state, he took off a lot of the tighter uh, capacity levels and uh, alcohol closing laws and things like that off of the state. The city did not follow suit yet. Uh, so we are uh, seeing in the state a bit of an increase uh, in the infection rate, although in New Orleans and Jefferson, uh, we are not seeing that increase. That doesn't mean it won't happen. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, we are out of the woods by any way, shape, or form. We are not, but uh, it's, a, uh, it's a matter of, um, of uh, staying with the program just for a little while longer. Uh, I think we can do what needs to be done. I think by the time we come around to May or June, I think we will be in better fashion. We are seeing a very high uh, vaccination uh, experience uh, for our area. Uh, people are getting their shots, and if you're not among them, I want you to really consider getting a shot. Uh, you're not going to be able to skate on this one. Uh, this is going to be a problem. This isn't a matter of, uh, wow, I'm not getting a flu shot this year. It's not that simple. 
And so if we are going to knock this thing down, we all need to be shot up or we need to be infected. There are a couple of ways to go at it here. So you can get sick or you can get a shot. Uh, and those are your two choices, I think. And uh, frankly, of the two, I'd rather just go get a, a little shot. Um, let me assure you and all your friends have probably already told you, you don't even feel it. It's, it's pretty amazing how this shot is going into your arms and there is no, no effect. Uh, you, you don't even know what's going on, to be honest with you. You're not sitting there, sitting there staring at it. Uh